Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to a Better Late Than Never Combine preview of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I am your host, Gary Davenport. The cause of last week's show being postponed, I had to have tooth extracted earlier that day, which made, you know, talking that night a little problematic. As always, I am joined by my co-hostess with the mostest, Walton Sperlin and Todd Lasky. And before we get into Combine talk, we have a bit of an announcement. It's a sad day here at the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. Mr. Sperlin, Wally, is leaving the nest, flying the coop, going over the wall. He's dug the tunnel past the Rita Hayworth poster, climbed through the pipe full of poop, and he has reached freedom. Tell everyone what's going on, Wally. Oh, oh thanks, Gary. Um yeah, sadly, this this will be my last appearance as, as a co-host of, of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy, and uh, I'll make this as, as, as brief as possible so we can get to the nuts and bolts. But um, I just want to say it's been great working at Fantasy Sharks for the past four years, uh, working Tony and Jim and Dish, and you know, just giving me a chance to uh, to, to work in this industry and 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 get my words out there, if you will, and, and, and especially having been a part of this podcast for almost the last four years, starting back with Kellogg's comments and with, with Greg Kellogg, who I believe, Gary, you were instrumental in actually getting me on to that, and then the last couple of years of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy with yourself and Todd Latsky, uh, a couple of gentlemen I consider friends, and I, I am, yes, leaving Fantasy Sharks, to start the next chapter of my of my writing career. And, um, again, I'm eternally grateful for Sharks, and I'll always be a fan. And, of course, I'll always listen to this show. And I want to give Gary a little extra credit here because he, he, since the beginning at Sharks, he's I call him my mentor. I don't, I don't know if he you know, will, will take credit for that. But uh, you've been nothing but great for me, Gary. And, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a sad and happy time for me because I will be sad to leave Fancy Sharks but I'm very excited to announce that I will be working next season at Pro Football Focus as an IDP contributor, and I'm excited about that, getting back to my roots. It was IDP that, that got me into Fantasy Sharks, the old 53 deep article, may it rest in peace. But I'm very excited to uh, to join that team. And, again, sad to be leaving the Sharks team, but I'll always be a fan. I'll always, I love the content there. I, I love everybody that I got a chance to write alongside there and uh, look forward to seeing how everything shakes out there. And, and uh, of course, we'll listen to this podcast religiously and um, and we'll shamelessly plug that. I, I will also have a podcast next year, but more on that to come on, on social media when the the announcement comes out. But uh, it, it's been great, and I'm so happy we get to do one more show together, and obviously we'll stay in touch and and hopefully be guests on each other's show and all that good stuff. And, and uh, so that's that. And now let's move on to some 
fantasy football feeding frenzy goodness. Well, I, I don't know that note. Go ahead, Todd. Uh, I know. I know. I know. Side note: uh, People don't uh, realize it, but actually, Walt and I broke in together at a different site. We both started writing at the same time, roughly at uh, FF Toolbox, uh, before they switched <laughs> over to their format. So yeah, Walt oh, and I actually goodness. go back. Yeah, we yeah. go back a few more years uh, going under FF Toolbox. So uh, we uh, each had Scott our own. Oh. Yeah, for Scott Atkins. Yep. But before Scott, yeah, it was. Oh. Uh, Christian, oh, no. Christensen. Who, who was it? Yeah, it's Christensen. That's right. Atkins came in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we were together oh. there. But, yep. Yep. Okay. Good times. I, Scott Atkins is one of those people. I just, uh, you, my mom always told me if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. So I'll just leave um, that. Uh, you'll be missed, Wally. A great deal. I mean, I consider you a friend, great IDP writer. I'm happy for you to see you moving into a new opportunity and that you've been able to establish a name for yourself in the industry, which is all on you. I mean, the fact that you took my advice and survived it is a testament <laughs> to your skill as a writer. So best of luck moving forward. I had the pleasure of meeting Jeff Ratcliffe, and Ross Miles when I was in Vegas a few years back for the FSWA Awards. Great guys. We sat down, and back then Jeff was an IDP guy too, so we sat down and talked IDP slappiness for a good two hours, and I'm sure you'll excel there. I look forward to reading some of your work. I might even have to buy a PFF Fantasy subscription just so I can check it out. So good luck, brother. Well, that's, Thank it's you very also much. funny. It's also funny that you mentioned that because I had also looked into working for them a few years back, and uh, I, I decided to change my outlook at that point in time, but I was on a short list to work for them at that point in time as well. Uh, uh, they obviously know talent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as I wipe the tears from my eyes, let's talk some 2017. NFL Scouting Combine, the Underwear Olympics, is underway. Big men in the running backs bench press today. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends are in Indianapolis now. They had their interviews and measurements and all that good stuff. Today, they will bench press tomorrow. Tomorrow's first big day of drills when the offensive linemen and the running backs will hit the tracks. There's going to be plenty of action between now and Monday, the final day of workouts. I know I personally am looking forward to Sunday and Monday when the defensive players hit and I can just plaster Twitter with hot takes and be wrong 37 times in one day. Looking forward to that. This being a fantasy football show, of course, we're all about the fantasy impact of these players, although we also like to talk a little NFL, I suppose the easiest place to start would be with the position that draws the most attention at the scouting combine, even if it's not the most important position in fantasy football, the quarterbacks. Today was a vitally important day for the quarterbacks. It was hand size day. Got to measure those flippers. And everyone checked in okay. There were no sub-nine-inch hands. So, round of applause with the big hand. Nobody had Trump hands. That's a good thing. <laughs> you beat me to it, yes. 
The other big news, Mitch Trubisky, there was all kind of talk leading into the scouting combine that the North Carolina quarterback would come in at about 6'1". People were saying that his height, his listed height at North Carolina was highball. I believe that rumor was started by Mike Mayock, who just kind of eyeballed Trubisky's height and said he looked close to 6'1". Mike, uh, Mike might want to check his eyeballs because Trubisky come in, I believe, 6'2 and a quarter, so not super tall. But good enough. I know Cleveland Browns head coach Hugh Jackson remarked about it today that he was glad to hear that, and now there's already rumors floating that the Browns could be interested in Trubisky possibly at number one overall because, you know, heaven forbid the Browns not screw up a draft pick. I'll go to you first, Todd. Granted, there's a long way to go between now and April's draft. We've got the workouts this weekend. We've got pro days, but we've already had miles and miles and miles of tape. Who's your number one quarterback this year? Yeah, you know, it is such a uh, throw a dart at the board and see what sticks kind of year. There's four quarterbacks I see that can go in the first round. And as to who everybody likes, uh, I'm hearing different names every day. Um, the fastest climbing name is as, as actually Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech. He seems to be rising very rapidly up the boards. But I also heard that Kaiser interviewed really well today, which a lot of people were concerned. The only issue I've got with Kaiser is that you know what? He's 12 and 11 as a starter, yeah, which is not very impressive. Yes, it's Notre Dame. They have a tough schedule, but you want your quarterback to have a little bit better of a win percentage. Um, Trubisky only started one year at North Carolina. Uh, granted, he he looks the best uh, for one year, but if I were to be picking a quarterback based upon tape that I've seen, and he was 28 and two as a starter. Right now, I would have to say that Watson would be my top quarterback. Bravo, 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 bravo. <laughs> Cleveland Browns, general manager, Saucy Brown, listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. I'm right there with you, Todd. And it's uh, Watson. People were saying he's undersized, checked in the same size today as Trubisky. I think his mm-hmm. hands were actually a little bit bigger. Yes, he might not have the best arm of the class, but we know he's got mobility. I mean, when I hear the negatives or the perceived negatives about Deshaun Watson, a lot of them sound like the perceived negatives around Dak Prescott last year. And I keep going back to the fact that Deshaun Watson wins football games consistently at the highest level of college football. Got Clemson into the college football playoff. Two years run. Went 3-1 and one in four playoff games and won a national championship. Yes, he had talent around him. But he 1-1 one one against Alabama in national title game is a pretty impressive achievement. And I just think we're going to look back three or four years from now and we're going to say, why did we not think Deshaun Watson was the number one guy? I know a lot of people that Mahomes is jumping up boards, but he checked in today just barely over 6'2", and his hands are just barely over 9 inches. And I'm not the type that usually freaks out about hand size and that kind of thing. I'm more worried about his funky delivery, the fact that he makes mm-hmm. bad decisions sometimes with the football, and I just I don't trust that Texas Tech off that air raid gimmicky off. I mean, when has Texas Tech ever produced a good NFL quarterback? They haven't ever. So Mahomes yep. 
frightens me. I think Trubisky, I, his measurables are great, and on paper he seems like a great idea. But I'm just I'm not seeing, and I'm with you on Kaiser. He just 12 and 11 as a starter just doesn't do it for me. So I'm with you in the Watson camp. How about you, Wally? Yeah, I, I'm in lockstep with, with the two of you. I, I think it's Watson. Um, there's something to be said from somebody with a winning pedigree, and he's definitely got that. You know, as far as Trubisky, I just you know, I'll admit it. I, I am not the best judge of college talent. I mean, I, I can watch, I can evaluate, you know, I can. Be, so I trust people who have a little more experience than me, such as Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks. Both have made the comparisons that Trubisky is, is reminds them of a Trent Green or an Alex Smith. To that, I can just say, meh. And Greg Cosell is a bit leery of him because he doesn't think he's necessarily a high-level quarterback. Those are three names that I respect at, at what they do. So, And, again, just watching Watson play, like you said, the measurables are about the same. He's athletic. But, again, I like – this is going to sound very Trumpish. I like winners, <laughs> and that's what he's proven to be. And his performances against Alabama, which is just about the closest college team you're going to find to a pro team, who might give your Browns a run for their money. i got to get some last digs in. The way we played against them <laughs> bodes very well, uh, you know, I think, you know, stepping up to the next level. So, no, I, I'm, I'm firmly in the Watson camp in what I think is a pretty weak class of quarterbacks. No argument there. And I think, yes, Watson threw, what was it, 17 interceptions last year, and that's a lot, granted. But Jameis Winston threw a lot of interceptions in his last year at Florida State. I think that's something you can work on. It's something you can cure to an extent, unless it's a quarterback who's just so dialed in and making bad decisions that he just won't stop doing it. And I don't think Watson's that guy. I'd be more worried about Mahomes being that guy because Mahomes to me is that gunslinger type, the guy that thinks he can throw it 55 yards off his back foot. And at Texas Tech, that might have worked. In the NFL, it's going to get you killed. Yeah. Is anyone is anyone in disagreement with me in my belief, at least from a fantasy perspective, that none of these guys is going to be the sort who's going to make a rookie impact in fantasy leagues? Well, you know, I've been wrong in, the, in that case before. I mean, how many how many of us really thought Dak Prescott would have done what he did last year? Well, yeah, but. Uh, Everyone, <laughs> right? But but making a long story short, yes, this year's class is weak, but they're also very fortunate because it is such a weak class, and because the NFL is so desperate in need of quarterbacks that these guys are going to get paid whether they deserve it or not. Right. Well, and you yeah. know, it, it, a lot of it will depend on landing spot. If we see. Mm-hmm. You know, Watson go to Cleveland or one of these guys wind up in San Francisco, a place where there's a fairly clear path to starting right out of the gate, then, yeah, maybe you're looking at one as a low-end QB, two. which I did by the time the late drafts, drafts that were close to the regular season, by the time we knew Dak Prescott was going to be the Cowboys starter, I drafted Prescott in a couple leagues as a low-end QB, two. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. But I just, from a redraft perspective, anyway, I know Dynasty is a lot different. Dynasty, you got to think farther ahead with quarterback, and it can be 
difficult to find quarterback help in dynasty leagues if you dig yourself into a hole, so people are a little more inclined by project types. That's a whole different kettle of fish. I just I don't know that any of these guys No. I mean they could all be decent NFL quarterbacks. I just don't know that we're gonna see any superstars come out of this, which means we will and I'll be wrong because that's just how that goes. I'm sure there will be all sorts of eyes tuned to the T V show. There's I don't think it's a coincidence that the uh quarterbacks are working out on Saturday. Let me put it that way. Right. Very well put. Yeah. And I agree that I don't I don't see anyone that I think you know, and Todd made a good point with Dak Prescott, but again the you know, the dominoes had to fall in such a way that he ended up the starter, you know, when the first two go down or I don't I think he would have beaten up Colin Moore anyhow because that's Colin Moore. But but I one name I did jot down just as he's garnering some uh nice comments of late and I'll be interested to watch him at the comment is that uh, Nathan Peterman out of Pittsburgh. You know, I've seen comparisons uh, from some of the scouts or uh, television scouts, people at NFL Network, uh, to Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr comparison. He's got a big arm, uh, more importantly, big hands, but yeah, obviously had a, had a very good game against Clemson, but I, I've been hearing good things about him, so he's somebody I'll pay a little extra attention to. I mean, you know, he's, I like the fact that they're all doing all the drills. You know, again, you know, you get what you get from that. It's just they're going to throw a lot of different passes, but it means Mike Mayock right. will talk about them, and I like to listen to Mike Mayock again. I'll, I'll admittedly defer to the people whose opinion I respect, and there's few I respect more than Mayock. So I'll be anxious to see what he says about Peterman, but he's been getting some buzz uh, heading into the combine. So now maybe somebody who lands in the right spot, learns for a year or two, a la Cousins, and then can uh, maybe make some noise fantasy-wise at least. Yeah. Well, hey, did anybody also, really think? Go ahead. Go ahead. Ge- no, go ahead, Gary. Did anyone really think Kirk Cousins, the fourth round pick out of Michigan State, was ever going to amount to anything? I mean, he was a cheap insurance policy for their shiny new rookie number two overall pick. Mm-hmm. Right, and I was going to make, this, was, was gonna make go the same point with Tom Brady being a sixth round pick. He yeah. started half of his uh, half of his senior year. That's it. He started six games in college, and yep. now and now they're calling him the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm a, not calling that. Yep, and I'm a Michigan State fan, and I can easily say that I didn't see Cousins as ever being a potential fantasy factor. You know, let alone an NFL starter. You know, that's not what Michigan State quarterbacks generally do. They go more the Bobby Hoyer wrote, or Brian Hoyer, sorry, not, and, and back up. And that's, of course, what Cousins was doing. But, hey, I'll take Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins' comparisons from a fantasy standpoint more than I will Trent Green and Alex Smith. Yeah, no kidding. Don't get me started on a Kirk Cousins tangent, though, because I have no idea what the hell the Redskins are doing right now. <laughs> Make, making him very rich. If you're lukewarm on whether or not you want Cousins to be your long-term starter, whatever, then why would you put the exclusive rights franchise tag on him? You could have put the non-exclusive rights franchise tag on him, and if a team did sign him to a deal and you didn't want to match it, you get two first-round picks, which is better than they're going to get 
in any other trade mm-hmm. because these teams know that they can just wait the Redskins out for a year because if the Redskins tag Cousins in 2018, it's like 35 million bucks. <laughs> They're not going to. It's just it makes no sense at all. Hey Wally, it makes should I stir almost, the pot? Should I, should I stir the pot a little bit? Uh, certainly. Don't talk about Tarot. Just don't talk about Terrell oh, Pryor. Or I might, my head might explode. Okay. Well, then how about the Browns using their franchise tag on a punter? You know. Hi, I, Ga- Hi Gary. How you doing, buddy? A <laughs> hundred and something. A hundred and something million dollars in cap space. You've got one offensive weapon. I understand $16 million is a lot to give a wide receiver coming off a 1,000-yard season who used to be a quarterback and may turn out, you know, that season could turn out to be a fluke and whatever. That's why you tag him. That's the same reason I think the Texans should have tagged A.J. Bouye. When a guy comes out of nowhere and has that aberration season, you tag him see if he can back it up. Yes, you overpay for that one year, but you're only on the hook for the one year. Mm-hmm. Then you can move on. I just oh the Browns don't oh they're so dumb oh my God they're dumb so dumb so wow. very very wow. dumb I can't wait to see how they screw up the number one pick because it should be fun to watch. <laughs> it will be it will be but hey at least your general manager didn't come out and say that he is disappointed that Joe Mixon's not at the combine. Uh, now we're going to have to go and talk to him. Now we're going to like, – oh, as a, as a Lions fan, I'm embarrassed. It's, you know why he's not – You know what, though? Look it up. Go oh, ahead. I know why, but to be honest, I don't like that rule. I don't – it doesn't – to me, it doesn't accomplish anything. I know it's the NFL trying to look like they're being hard on these kids right. for the yeah, off-field incident. But you want those kids at the Combine in those interview sessions having to answer those questions over and over and over and over. That's how you find out where they're at. Exactly. I mean, another perfect example to go along with Joe Mixon is Chad Kelly out of Ole Miss. I mean, another guy that probably is deserving close to a first-round draft based upon his talent, but because of his off-the-field situations, is not even at the combine, and is going to fall down draft boards. Yeah, and what Chad Kelly did is a little bit different from what Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is a piece of detritus as a human being, and he could apologize all he wanted to break bones in a woman's face. I I wouldn't want him on my team. That's that's that's, that's the thing. And here in Detroit, that's what it's been. Yeah, obviously, this went national because I've, I've seen him talk about it on. Sports Center, I've seen talk about, you know, NFL Network, his comments. It's just, especially as, as, as the general manager of the Detroit Lions, you know, we're not exactly a, uh, a powerhouse and haven't been. And, and it's not even like we have a, a, a team where you'd say, well, if there's any team he could go to that would keep him in line, right? I'm not saying he's a bad person, although what he did was horrible. And I have not, I never talked to him, don't really want to. But I'm just saying this isn't a team that could even handle the publicity that would bring. And instead, you know, our, our general manager, who to, to me what bothers me is he made it sound like it was an imposition, and he tried to clean that up a little bit towards the end. He also said it's bad for the players. But he almost made it sound like it's an imposition that 
you know, we will have, now we'll have to bring him in for workouts, or we'll have to travel to see him. We'll have to do anything. You know, you just you just need to be quiet and, and be the general manager of the Lions, and, and hope no one notices you're in the room, and and, and slink out there, when all the meetings are over. There's a new Lions site that just started up. You know that USA Today Team Wire dealy? They just started mm-hmm. up a. Uh, Lions Wire site. Uh, my friend Ty Shalder that I wrote with at a uh, Blazer Report is heading that up. So there should be some excellent Lions articles coming out of that particular site. You should definitely yeah. check it out. Ty's a great writer. Oh, oh, I definitely will. Yeah, I recognize him. Uh, Twitter and other things. Yeah, it's just was not happy to to, to see the the GM say that. And um, no, he's we in it, a We're fine. No, you're going to sign Adrian Peterson. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, what they, that's, yeah, that, that's what they'll do. And then we can all kiss Adrian Peterson goodbye as any fantasy potential. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of Adrian Peterson, let's move on to the position that people really care about in fantasy football when it comes to the incoming rookie class. And this year there is a lot to like. From the, at the running back position, this class is beefy. Mm-hmm. The good year to it's a good year to have a pick at the top of your rookie draft. It's a good year to have the eighth pick in your rookie. It's just a good year for rookie drafts. Period. Talent galore. General consensus is either one of two guys is the top running back. Could we could conceivably see two backs go in the top ten? although I just think that's probably pretty unlikely. I do think we'll see at least two backs go in the first round, possibly three. But the back that a lot of people thought was the number one guy heading into the combine, off to a bit of a shaky start. Leonard Fournette, LSU Tigers, showed up a little on the uh, rotund side Mm. at 240 pounds. Blamed it on water weight, which he must be drinking an awful lot of water. <laughs> and then today he begged off on the bench press. Not the end of the world. And if he turns around and peels off a nice 40-yard dash tomorrow, no one's going to care if he's 240 pounds or not. And he played at 235 at LSU, so it's not like he ballooned up 15 pounds. But, you, you know, the weight could be an issue, especially if it causes him to run a little bit slower. We'll go to you first, Wally. Who is your number one running back in the 2017 class? Most likely the number one overall pick in rookie drafts. Yeah, it's close. And like you mentioned, you know, you know I think Fournette needed a, a really good combine week to hold off Del, uh, Dalvin Cook. And I'm going to go, and, you know, again, this is a tough one because yeah, he shows up a little heavy, doesn't, you know, do the bench press. You know, that's not the way you want to start your week. Um, you know, he, he the, the ankle injury or just not wanting to play in the bowl game. You know, the, the medical examinations are going to be important on Fournette. I would have Cook as my number one running back. And, again, he comes with, you know, character concerns. He had a, a, a couple of uh, – Incidents, including something I really don't like, is what a uh, violation of animal care. Not, not happy about that. So both of these guys. To, to me, his credit, he was not convicted of anything. I feel right, like that's I know that, Yeah, there was also a punching incident. So yeah, these are, I guess I should have said alleged to put that in there. 
But so the interviews are going to be big for him. You know, he's you know, and there's a little bit of concern. But yeah, didn't he have some shoulder issues too? Didn't he have some shoulder issues at Florida State too? I didn't have that in my notes, but again, that's something I could, these two I could both I think are yeah they're going to go probably one and two. Uh, Cook does Cook does have shoulder issues as well, so he's got a little bit of concerns with his shoulders and with his uh, uh, shady character, as it were. So again, I think the medical examinations for both these guys are going to be important. Which again, they'll they're there, so they'll get those. But I still believe that they are, you know, the tier among themselves. I would, hey, yeah, so to me right now, it's still Cook, but it's almost six of one, half dozen of the other, as far as each of them. Yeah, let's see how this, you know, again, like you said, it's not a lot of added weight, but let's see how Farnett runs, see, see what kind of numbers he puts up on that. I think Cook's going to put up nice numbers. He did in the branch. I think Cook had 22 reps at 225 in the mid press. That's pretty good for a guy his size. Well, and actually touching on that same aspect, uh, the virtual number three on everybody's board disappointed in that same uh, exercise today uh, with Christian McCaffrey only doing 10 reps. I'm very disappointed in that. That kind of scares me a little bit that he only did 10 reps. Uh, you know, I'm not going to worry about that too much, given his game. And right. okay, so he's not going to have the greatest stiff arm in the world. I just, I don't freak, I don't freak out too much when a running back has a great bench press, like who the, oh, what's his name, the kid from Oklahoma, whose name I can't pronounce half the time, Perrine. He peeled off okay. 30 reps, and I guess that's not even his personal best at 233 pounds. But we're going to have, you know, we need to see what kind of 40 he's going to run because I think he might be a little on the, uh, he seems to be more a north-south knee-run guy over type. So, but I'm not, I don't freak out too much about how the bench press just isn't a, a vitally important drill to me with running backs. I mean, it's great if they do well, and if they don't, it raises a couple questions. But I just, my biggest question with McCaffrey, at least from a fantasy perspective, is is he going to be a guy that's going to get enough touches? I think he would have to land in the right offense, get a coordinator who knows how to use his skill set. And, and I don't know if the, if the snaps are going to be there. I see him as part of a committee, you know, a passing down kind of guy, maybe partnered with a bigger early down back. Mm-hmm. I love Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson in Cleveland. And in that okay. case, you know, his fantasy value is going to be up and down. Okay, I got a very good player comparison uh, factor for you to consider in all this. Of some of the lighter backs that we've seen in the last 15, 20 years, and we've all been playing this game that, this long, so you, I can make them really think you guys will have a good grasp at, as to the history to figure out who I'm talking about. But in the last 15, 20 years, somebody who's lighter weight – does not get the ball 25 times from the backfield in the run game, but it more, gets more like 15 touches out of the backfield in the run. But say it gets like another eight looks in the passing game. I think he resembles an awful lot like Brian Westbrook. Oh, yeah, he could he be look- that guy. No. Like yeah. I said, to me, a lot of it's going to depend on where he lands and what kind of offense he lands in and whether that coordinator has the vision 
to put him in a position to succeed. And I would, I hope for his sake he does land on it. I mean, I like Christian McCaffrey. He's a tough little son of a gun. And the fact that he can return kicks and punts isn't going to hurt his value with NFL teams a bit. Yeah, I think that's why we see uh, at least a lot of the mocks that I've, you know, looked at so far this offseason or preseason or however you want to call it. A lot of them have him going to New England because you know, a lot of uh, comparisons have been made. He's a he's a bigger, faster Danny Woodhead, you know, who, who started to excel there, moved on. I've seen comparisons to him and Deion Lewis, which would be okay if they're going to bring him in. I mean, they're you know, what's Lewis's role going to be? You know, they've got, and then I've also seen comparisons that he's a less explosive Reggie Bush. So I think pretty much what we're reading into that is that. He's the guy, and again, depending on landing place, if it's New England, especially so, but somebody we're going to want in PPR. You know, it, teams have got to find a way to get him in space. He catches the ball well. You know, the fact you mentioned he's a good return man. He's good in the open field. So, yeah, but he's got to land in the right spot. And I'd, I'd love to see him go to the Patriots late. You know, and I've seen that on quite a few mocks. It almost seems like too easy of a fit. And I'm not certain that any other team will jump on him earlier than, you know, the, the final pick of the first round. Uh, I don't know. I, I can see him being a really good fit in Green Bay. But, but, well, but Green Bay has a running backs. <laughs> but, but Green Bay has an awful lot of needs with a defensive back. I mean, we'll talk about that another time. And, but I think that's where they go in the first round. But I can see him easily fitting in Green Bay right now. I, it's what blows me away about this class is just the depth. I mean, they're easily just on the first two days of the draft. There are probably half a dozen guys that I think could legitimately be featured running. I mean, you look at Alan Kamara out of Tennessee. Of mm-hmm. uh, he might be uh, jerk, but Mixon, uh, Marlon Mack out of South Florida, Perrine, if he can roll off a decent forty time and show that he's more than just you know, a north-south guy, I, all those guys, there's Don Freeman out of Texas, probably be a day three pick, was a Doak Walker Award winner in 2016. I mean, it's just if, you, yeah. if your dynasty team needs running back help, this is the year to get it. Yeah, and I'll personally be pulling for James Conner out of Pittsburgh, you know, what he's come back from. You know, I don't know that, you know, he's, I'm not telling you right now in your fancy leagues to go out and, and drafts him unless you're in a really big league. Oh, let's see where he lands. I'd love to see the Lions get him late in the draft. I just, again, you know, the kids fought back. And Hodgkins, I think, believe it was it. I believe it was Hodgkins or and, and it was Hodgkins and Bowman. I was just, yeah, and, was just writing about him yeah. earlier today for a teacher tomorrow. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, that's the grit. That's the determination. I think between the tackles. Because I, yeah, I watch quite a bit of the stuff on YouTube just because I like the story. Uh, I, I'm going to be pulling for that kid. And they, like I said, I'd love to see the Lions take him late. Cause we need help at the running back position. Well, and I mean, Connor was a guy that was the ACC player of the year in, what, 2014? And then he tore his ACL. And then while he's rehabbing from the torn ACL, he finds out he's got cancer and everything just kind of went downhill on him, mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard guy to root against, and I hope he performs very – I hope the medicals come back squeaky clean, both on his knee and that he's completely cancer-free. And I think if they do, 
that there are going to be teams. Granted, it's probably going to be the third day of the draft, but there is going to be that team that is going to want, you know, 6'1", 233, good speed for a guy that size, has shown that he can carry the load. You know, he's one of those guys that we, Lord knows we've seen plenty of them come out of the middle rounds of the draft. I mean, look at what Howard did just this past year. I, like you said, well, I mean, how can you not root for the guy? It's just it would be a phenomenal story, if nothing else. Let me get your thoughts. I'll start with you, Todd, on everyone's favorite diminutive running back. I mean, diminutive like weighs 20 pounds less than Darren Sproul's stuff. Donnell Pumphrey of San Diego State University, four foot seven inches tall. 148 pounds of fury. He's not quite that small, but he's really small. <laughs> well, and it's funny because he's coming out of San Diego State when, I mean, the first vision that everybody has in mind is they're picturing Danny Woodhead, about the smallest running back that we can all remember on record. And yet this guy, probably smaller, you know. You know, God bless his God bless his soul. Um, I can remember playing football when I was pretty young. I was a smallish guy, and people would just complain and and bitch and moan because instead of trying to tackle me head on, I'd like duck under tackles, and they're like, "How the hell can he catch this guy?" You know, maybe he's got a little of that going for him. So you know, I'm hoping for the guy. God, I love his quickness, but. If he gets hit, you know, hard once or twice, what's going to happen to him? That's my concern. Mm-hmm. You see how many best breast reps he had? Was it, is he uh, have five? Five? Yeah, well, you know what, though? He's lifting 50 pounds more than he weighs. So, right. to get a little bit of slack. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the way he was able to run the ball. Granted, it's college, and it's not like he was playing in a – Super loaded top. I mean, he ran the ball with some authority. I, some team was going to draft him. They're going to look at him. He doesn't really have any special team experience, but, you know, these teams are looking for a third down back. They've seen what Darren Sproles has been able to do. you got all these spread offenses now. I don't know that we're ever going to see him turn into a fantasy asset, and if so, it's going to be in leagues that are PPR. I mean, you just got to love little guys. I hope the dude makes it. Cause I, 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 like, I was just small. Yeah, I was just looking up some of the different uh, evaluations of him, and uh, I'm going to pimp the Steeler Depot site, but I like him, and they listed as part of what's good about him is that he's not afraid to block in pass protection. Who's he blocking? <laughs> <laughs> hey, one of the reasons why the Eagles have Darren one of the reasons why the Eagles have Darren Sproles out there for third down is Darren will get in there and pick up a blitz. Now, man, it, he might just die at a guy's feet and hope for the best, but he's trying. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, unless you know, it's, it's a blitzing cornerback who's not 100 pounds bigger than him, but I don't know who Pumphrey's stopping. <laughs> I just saw the uh, Cooks 22 reps at 225, the best press today. That's the same thing Derrick Henry did last year. Mm. And Cooks, you know, it's very, very – be very interested to see how Cook does in drills. Because I don't think – I mean, it's not like anyone's questioning Cook's speed or his agility. And he's – I mean, all due respect to Fournette, I think it's safe to say that Cook is a more well-rounded back at this point in their careers. So, 
I mean, there's a lot of what happens over these next few days and in those pro days could determine which one of those players is that guy that goes in the top ten. Although I heard today uh, the female reporter for uh, NFL.com, whose name I'm going to just destroy, and I don't want to because it seems disrespectful, Aditi Kikwabala or whatever. It's a, mm-hmm. Yeah, Aditi Mouthful yeah. said that the Bengals are – very interested in Leonard Fournette at nine. As in, like, if he's on the board there, they're going to be hard-pressed not to pull the trigger because apparently they are not especially happy with Mr. Jeremy Hill. So that would be interesting. Well, well, I think even a better fit than uh, uh, Cincinnati at nine uh, for Fournette especially when you take a look at this team and how physical they are, both offensive and defensive-wise, is Fournette to the Panthers at eight. That's what I've seen a lot in that event, so that would be interesting. Yeah, he would fit their style of football very well. Uh Once again, we have – I don't know that we have the top-end talent at the wide receiver position that maybe we've had – in the past few years, we've been spoiled is what it is. It's, there's been some ridiculous right. wide receivers in the NFL in the past two or three years. But it's a good, don't get me wrong, it's a good class, and it's another deep class. So I think regardless of where you're picking in your dynasty draft, wide receiver is another position where you're going to be able to get help. We'll go to you, Todd. This is another position. What I don't. There aren't many positions this year where there's a clear cut this is the number one guy. He's better than everyone else. But before we hit wide receiver, I almost forgot one more thing I want to hit with you guys. Even though he's working out with the wide receivers, he was running back in college. And I wanted to ask you guys a question about Curtis Sam. It seems to be that most NFL teams are looking at him as a slot receiver. Given his measurements, he measures comparatively well compared to some NFL slot receivers. We know he can catch probably going to run 4-3 something in the 40. I wonder if we couldn't see him turn into a guy that's maybe a slot receiver in some sets and then like a third down back in other sets, spends a lot of time in the backfield, maybe gets a few touches out of the backfield, maybe a bit of a time Montgomery type. And if that happens and he gets wide receiver positional eligibility, how nice would that be? Well, it'd be nice, but uh, we got to take one step at a time, my friend. You know, uh, Tyreek Hill is another perfect example. And I was very mm-hmm. high on him all, all all year last year. And, and he had some character issues going into the draft, and that's why he dropped. But uh, all things being equal, let's see what happens first. We can't hope on that bandwagon to happen. We, gotta, we have to see it happen first. You can't draft a guy and then hope it happens because then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. No, I I'll probably – if I were going to rank, I don't know that I'll rank offensive rookies, but I'll probably rank Samuel with the wide receivers, in which case I'm guessing he would come in, I don't know, fifth or sixth off the top of my head. I'd have to look. But it's just, it's going to be very interesting, and it's something that we may not know until he gets to an NFL camp. There could be five different teams that all look at Curtis Samuel and what they might do with him in vastly different ways. I do think he's going to do well in Indianapolis. This is a sort of – Thrills mm-hmm. and stuff that would appear to appeal to his skill set, so especially if he goes out there and peels off four, three, four yard dash. But you know, I'm a high state slappy, so what can I say? 
Mr. Lasky, <laughs> who is, in a crowded class, your number one wide receiver in 2017? Well, to me, it comes down to two guys. Uh, one is more speed, and that's Corey Davis out of Western Michigan. The other one is all about size, and that's Mike Williams out of Clemson. And just like what we're talking about with quarterbacks earlier, and I deferred to Watson as my best option at quarterback because of his past, I again would go with the same route in this particular situation and go with Mike Williams ahead of Corey Davis because of those same exact situations. I, I think Mike Williams has proven himself. He's been a stud for a couple of years. He's not a, uh, a, a, a quick flyby. I think he's here to stay. Uh, there's been a number of Mike Williams wide receivers in the NFL, and gosh darn it, it's time we have another one. Four, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. What about you, Wally? Yeah, it's unfortunate that um, uh, Corey Davis is not going to be able to work out at the combine. He, he's dealing with an ankle issue, so we'll have to wait for a pro day to see what kind of numbers he's put up. But he's put up enough on tape. But I'm going to, even though, again, uh, I have to preface this with my wife is a Western Michigan Broncos alumni. So, you know, I I want to say Corey Davis just because that's where he went. But, again, without the chance to see him this weekend and Williams is going to be able to to flash his skills and show his skills. But I think that they are almost a 1A, 1B. Williams, you know, obviously uh, missed time or – most of uh, last season you know, with, with an injury, but came back and, and, and had a good year. I don't think you can go wrong with either guy. I just wish Davis would have a chance to, to, to really showcase this weekend. And, again, he played in the MAC. You know, they did get to go to the bowl game uh, against Wisconsin. And he did play well when they played Big Ten teams or, or bigger teams. But if you watch a lot of his games, he was such a man among boys, you know, and the numbers he put up are great. But there were just few secondary players in the MAC, you know, that could contain him, and so you know it, it, that kind of skewed what tape you get to see on him. But the, the guy's a talent. I think whatever team drafts he's one of these guys going to be happy. And again, much like the running backs, I think that those first two guys are a tier to themselves, and then after that, you, you can start looking at the other receivers. And yeah, I, I think both are have the potential to be fantasy contributors right out of the gate. I'm inclined to agree with you guys. I might favor Davis just ever so slightly over Williams, but it's very close. I think both guys, like you said, potential to contribute right out of the gate. I like that both of them have fairly well-defined route trees. They can run the routes. Mm -hmm. Both guys are excellent at high-pointing the football. You know, they've got those technical skills that made Allen Robinson such a good receiver when he entered the NFL. I mean, you can – there's all kind of guys that can run fast, and there are guys that can jump high. But if you can't run the routes and get open, then all you're doing is running around and jumping high. And I think that both Williams and Corey Davis have the capability to step onto a field in their first NFL game and do some damage and be the kind of guy who can make an immediate impact for your dynasty team as opposed to the sort of guy you're waiting on. Now, you know, a guy like John Ross, Washington, runs like a deer. Mm-hmm. And he actually appears to be able to catch a little bit, which is makes him better than Brashad Perriman. 
But I'll admit, those oh. pure speed guys always make me nervous. It just there's so much feast or famine with them, and you know, after that, like you said, the water's getting muddy pretty deep. You know, maybe these drills and the pro days will separate a little bit. And I'll admit, I haven't watched a lot of tape on some of the secondary guys. I know there was a kid out of Air Force today, uh, Jalen Robinette. Only had 35 catches last year. But he came in at combine, his hands 10 and 7 eighths inches. My boy is wearing baseball gloves on both his hands. <laughs> wow. And he that, led, yeah, college, that's a big grip. He led college football last year in uh, yards per route run. And there was already some buzz around him that he's raw, but there's the skills are there and the physical – so yeah, and there's going to be a couple of those guys that maybe you stash on the end of your bench, and but mm-hmm. yeah, I think I I'm in lockstep with you guys that where the wide receiver position is concerned, much like at running back, it's essentially a two horse race. So it's sounding like if you're in a dynasty draft, what you really want to be hoping for is one of those first four picks. You get one of those first four picks, it sounds like you're just about guaranteed that you're going to be happy with the addition yeah. you make to your fantasy team. Tight end this year, gentlemen. We've got a couple guys at the tight end spot who might be able to do some damage. Hunter Henry did fine for the San Diego Chargers last year. I think he's going to be a decent tight end one for team. I don't know that we're ever going to talk about Hunter Henry as an elite fantasy tight end. A game changer. David Jajoku from the University of Miami. A little raw. But he has that athletic ability, that speed, that size. I forget what his wingspan coming out today. I think it was like 82 inches. His wingspan is two inches shorter than LeBron's. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, he's a guy football. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yep. Yeah, I definitely, and, I definitely see tight ends getting two. I, I I see tight ends definitely getting at least two first round picks this year. They both are incredible. Uh, I've seen Howard going as high as in the top ten, which is just a little odd. Uh, he's he's a beast. He can definitely do it uh, based upon the the scheme and fit. He can definitely play at that level. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the other guy out of Miami, uh, Injuku, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal potential, just incredible. Yeah, uh, bo- both are definitely worthy of first round picks. And you know the thing with Howard, I know a lot of people question his production in Alabama, and I've read questions about his work ethic because the production's been all over the place in Alabama. I just don't think Lane Kiffin knew how to use a tight end worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. there's not a whole That's lot he can do if they don't throw him the ball. Correct. And there were a couple games, including, I believe, the national championship win over Clemson. So the national title game, not this past year, but the year before, I think he had a huge, it was like eight for a buck 76 and two scores or some ridiculous number in a game where he was utilized. So, you know, I don't know that either one of those guys is going to walk onto an NFL field and, you know, start throwing up 100-yard games out of the gate. You know, you may have to wait a year as a fantasy owner before you can truly reap the rewards. But I do think they have the potential to emerge eventually as that high-end top five. I mean, Travis Kelsey didn't like the world on fire right out of the gate, neither. Mm-hmm. Although I like Travis Kelsey coming out of the University of Cincinnati. I actually covered the Chiefs draft 
that year, and I think I gave that pick their highest of any of their picks that year because I liked him coming out of Cincinnati, and turns out I'm occasionally correct. So I, I mean, I think it's a good year for I think it's a good year for the skill positions. It's certainly a better year for the skill positions. I think in the offensive line, this is a bad offensive line draft. This is not the year you want to go out. Yeah, it, it's terrible. It's terrible across the offensive line. Uh, it's tremendously deep on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, edge rushers, uh, defensive backs, uh, both cornerbacks and safeties are ex- extremely strong. And as we mentioned, running backs, extremely deep. Uh, everybody talks about one of the greatest uh, draft classes of all time from college into the pros was uh, the old Miami Hurricanes team that had uh, uh, six first-rounders, I believe it was what it, what it was. Well, I see Alabama having six right now. I just did a mock draft two days ago, and I see Alabama having six first-rounders this year. And that's one of the reasons why not that many people are aware of O.J. Howard, because Alabama had so many other stars on that team. They were loaded with stars. They didn't have to use a tight end position so so much, but this guy has got the tools. You know, I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts where the first two picks, at least the first two picks, are defense. I mean, it seems to be mm-hmm. the general consensus right now is that Cleveland Browns, if they have a brain in their head, will take Miles Garrett at number one over, and he's going to have a chance to show up. And I keep, I keep seeing a lot of comparisons to he has the sort of athleticism that he could put on a show, a la what Jadavian Clowney did at the combine a couple of years ago, just you know, move at a ridiculous speed for a guy his size. Derek Barnett out of Tennessee was a more productive defensive end in college, but I think Barnett's more of a, you know, Barnett's not winning with that outrageous athleticism of just getting around a guy so fast that you don't know what's going on. He's more a standard, conventional 4-3. You know, he's going to win with some power. He's got more pass rush moves right now than Garrett does. He's going to be a good pass rush. Uh, Jonathan Allen out of Alabama. It'll be interesting to see how teams view him and where he lands, whether mm-hmm. it's as a three-four end, maybe as a four-three interior guy. I've seen Reuben Foster, who a lot of IDP slappies are going to be watching very closely because I would say, if I had to pick a guy at this moment who's the leading candidate to be the number one rookie IDP off draft boards. That would probably be my guy, especially if he goes somewhere like I've seen him at San Francisco's highest second overall, which means immediate three-down, turn-him-loose duty because they've got a guy in Navarro Bowman coming off the torn Achilles, and everybody else is free agent, which is fine because they all suck. Gerald Hodges, <laughs> uh, Michael Wilhoy, yeah. Nick Ballard, mm-hmm. they're all free agents, and none of them are good anyway. I might keep Hodges if he was cheap. But Bloor, God bless him, if I'm re-signing him, I'm sending him back to special teams where he belongs. And Michael Wilhoyt has never been good, so it's not like that's going to change. But yeah, there's some nice 4-3 outside linebackers in this class, safeties. I've seen uh, Malik Hooker mocked. Now, he's not going to be able to work out the combat, but I've seen him right. mocked to the 49ers at two because he's got that Swiss Army knife ability at the back end of a defense, a la Tyran Matthew and guys like that, to where he can play safety in a base defense, cover the slot in the corner, quick. Obviously, has a nose for the ball given all the interceptions he was hauling in last year for the Buckeyes. So I think he's a guy that can make an IDP impact. 
Obviously, Garrett is a guy a lot of people are going to be watching. If he lands in Cleveland, they're moving to a 4-3. He's going to be a three-down starter right out of the gate. I don't. I would caution people what Joey Bosa was able to do as a rookie this past year does not happen very often. It's mm-hmm. uncommon for a rookie defensive lineman to come in and throw up ten and a half. So I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's uncommon. But yeah, there's a lot to like for IDPs on the defensive and on both sides of the ball. It's it's draft time, guys. It's the season of hope, the season it's, of dreams. Let me let me throw this to yeah. you, Gary. It's something that's uh, confounding me, and I don't know exactly how to put it. Jabril Peppers. He's going to work out with the linebackers. Uh, to me, yeah. that's a bit strange, but that's fine. They're trying to find a place where I get the league is shipped. You got your Dion Buchanan, you got your Mark Barron, you got whatever. I don't. I see Peppers, and this is not my anti-Michigan thing as a Spartan fan, but I don't know exactly where he fits in, other than he's going to help special teams as a return guy. He's not great in coverage, I, I, so maybe that's why he's going to do the linebacker drills. Uh, what kind of future do you see for him, uh, fantasy-wise, or in the NFL? Well, you know, I, I just I'm not sure what the plan is. I mean, I guess I could see teams. We're seeing them go. Some teams go smaller and smaller at that weak side linebacker spot. Whether it's Telvin Smith or uh, Mark Barron, and I mean, look, the Dayo Buchanan really isn't much bigger than Jareel Pepper is, and he's playing inside linebacker in the three-four. But I agree. I mean. Peppers is probably going to tear up the track. He's going to run a phenomenal 40. But I don't know that he has the ball skills that I want from a safety. He had, what, one interception at Michigan? And I just – Exactly. As athletic as the day is long, but I don't know that he has the best football head on his shoulders. And, honestly, he's a guy that I think NFL teams are probably – he's probably going to be the next uh, – IDP draft preview guy that I do because I'm doing a I'm up to do a defensive back next. As far as I'm concerned, he's a defensive. He's not, I know he's working out with the linebackers, but he's a safety. If he, even yeah. if he plays linebacker, That's he's still safety in my mind. Yeah, it's a very that. interesting case, and I might be it, wrong. Yeah. You know, it could be that I'm wrong, and he winds up being a phenomenal, versatile, hybrid type defender, which I know that so many. I think that's the problem is that these NFL teams are trying to talk themselves into, you know, that versatility and that hybrid thing. They're so into that now that they're willing to talk. I mean, I think I saw, I think it was Bucky Brooks' most recent mock draft on the NFL Network earlier today, and they had Peppers going in the top ten, and that's just crazy to me. I think it's a pick that a team is going to live to regret. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you're drafting someone who you have to find a position for. You're not drafting him to fill a position. You know what I mean? It's that, that's just puzzled me. And I get that. Like I said, it's a copycat league, and that's the shift. We can bring these lighter, faster guys up uh, as long as they're willing to tackle and can tackle. But yeah, that was just very, very curious to me about where I've seen him going in drafts. It's like, oh. It's, I don't know how that's going to work. Well, it's 
just that quickly, folks. We have burned through an hour of the fantasy football feeding frenzy. For those wondering, I have every intention of the feeding frenzy living on, assuming that Mr. Lasky still wants to hang out on whatever night we plan to do this and talk some football. I figured I would... I figured I would run it up the old flagpole at Fantasy Sharks and see if maybe we can't get another one of the fine scribes over there. Yeah, even if we rotate a third guy, which is actually how we started on a path where we arrived with Mr. Lasky. But we'll be back. However, it will not be the same without you on the show, Wally. I wish you nothing but the best in your new endeavor. I have no doubt whatsoever that you will excel at it. And uh, Ross and Jeff are great guys. I'm sure you'll enjoy working with them. Uh, thank you very much, Gary. And um, I- I'll miss this, you know, and I will listen to it. I know that you guys are going to do a great job and the two of the best minds uh, in fantasy football. So I will definitely be a- an avid listener and encourage others to continue to do so. And I've had nothing but the best of times doing this show with you guys and look forward to keeping in touch in the future for sure. God bless Wally. All Good right. luck to you and your new endeavors. Thank you. Folks, I will have to check my schedule next week because with free agency breaking out, I might be working next Thursday night. If I am, we may have to hold off on a show for a week, but if worst case scenario, we'll be back two weeks from today and free agency will most likely be the topic of discussion going to be, Plenty of players changing helmets and getting fat paychecks that will affect the fantasy landscape. Until then, enjoy the Underwear Olympics, and we will talk to you soon. Good night, everybody.